Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the uh, holidays, I did more singing than usual. <clears throat> it explains a little bit of my voice. Though it wasn't necessarily all in church and it wasn't necessarily all uh, Christ- Christmas music. Uh, well, I did sing uh, part uh, of the time with the Meyer Band, who was at our house, a bluegrass band. They stayed with us several days, and I enjoyed singing with them. Uh, they covered a multitude of uh, problems. Uh, I also engaged in doing some karaoke with my son on Christmas Day. There are three things I learned from singing karaoke and singing just with the Meyer Band, and one is that you always sound better with a full band. And I thank John and Mary and Jimmy Meyer for playing for us and covering a boatload of vocal errors. Uh, It also reminded me that professional musicians are just that. They're professional musicians, and they are way better uh, than most of us who ever even think about playing an instrument or think about standing up to sing anywhere. But something else I learned is that... uh, uh, almost, I guess anybody can really do karaoke. Anybody can do karaoke. You just need to plug in a CD and, and follow the bouncing ball and just have fun. I mean, stick a mic in most anybody's hand, play a little music, and they can sing, even if it's joyful noise. Now, you might wonder what that has to do with our reading for the day, and I'm going to eventually get to Psalm 148, which you can find in the back of your worship folder. Uh, but the point of this is just this. Back in the Old Testament... Uh, We saw that the Jewish people were God's special people, his chosen people. And it was through that, through them, that he actually revealed who he was. You want to know who God is? You're going to learn it through his people. Uh, But when you read the uh, Old Testament, you also find that the Jewish people were not were not God's only people. I mean, certainly he chose the Jews to tell the world his story, but they were not his people. Only people. Now, unfortunately, in some religious communities of the ancient world, uh, this attitude developed. In fact, uh, I'm going to read you an ancient prayer that was common that most Jewish men, even to this day, pray. The prayer goes this way. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has created me a human and not a beast, a man and not a woman, an Israelite and not a Gentile, circumcised and not uncircumcised, Free and not a slave. In other words, they were praying, thank you for making me better than everyone else. Thank you for making me part of the in crowd and not with the out crowd. Now, the Jewish religion is is certainly not the only religion to have this kind of attitude. In fact, you still see churches today that have a we're better than you are attitude. Uh, You will even find denominations in our country and around the world who have that same attitude. Uh, They want to be exclusive. Uh, Their attitude is, it's us and no one else. I mean, we're the elite. We we get salvation the old-fashioned way. We deserve it. After all, we're Lutheran. (laughs) I don't know what other word you want to put in there. But let's remember what, what Christmas actually teaches us. And it's this, that Jesus came into this world to abolish that kind of thinking, us against them, or that we're better somehow than other people who also believe in Jesus. I mean, the events surrounding his birth were nothing like what you would expect to come from a religious leader. 
I mean, think about this. He was born in poverty to parents who were not yet properly married. I mean, they were only engaged. His birth was not announced to a bunch of theologians or Bible scholars, uh, but to a group of probably teenagers who were working the lowliest of jobs, which was watching sheep through the night. Uh, The only religious people who were in on this whole world-changing thing were a set of priests. Now, we always call them wise men or the magi. We kind of limited it to three because of the so-called three gifts. But these were priests that probably came from another religion, maybe astrologers, probably pagan priests, possibly even from the country of Iran, of all places. And they followed an eastern star for probably two to three years in order to bring this new king these lavish gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, these events surrounding Jesus' birth were kind of designed to rattle the structure of the religious society in the ancient world to teach people to start thinking in a whole new way. See, Jesus came into the world so that the whole world could know that Jesus loves them. I mean, this is the Christmas message, and it ought to be our message, not just at Christmas time, but as we literally celebrate Christmas and Easter year-round. Now, there are a lot of people today who believe that a personal relationship with God is, well, too far beyond their reach. They think it's too difficult for them to accomplish on their own, that they'll never, ever be good enough. But, you know, the message of Christmas and the message of the gospel of Jesus, the Christ, is that a personal relationship with God is actually available to everyone. It's part of our birthright as human beings. God desires, the Bible says, that all men be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, that's why Jesus came into this world. That's what Christmas is all about. I mean, what you couldn't do on your own, he is doing or he's done for you. Now, Maybe some of you have actually gone through this where you've tried to be good enough uh, to earn God's love, but you've figured out over the years you just plain simple can't do it. Uh, I know people, for example, who have said, uh, I'm going to quit cussing, or I'll quit smoking, or I'm going to quit losing my temper, or I'll, I'll be better. And the day after you say that, what happens? You, you fall down again, and you fall down again. I mean, I won't even ask you to raise your hand, but I mean, it's like, uh, if you've ever been a smoker and you say, I mean, how many times did you quit before maybe you actually got it done? Or maybe you never got it done. I mean, I know countless numbers of people who said, I'm going to stop doing this, and they're still doing it 23 years later. You realize eventually that you, you really are never going to be good enough to earn your way into a right relationship with God. And Jesus says, exactly, exactly. You're never going to be good enough to earn your way into a relationship That's why he said in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is what? Lost. I mean, we're lost without him. Uh, And he also said in Matthew 11.28-30, Come to me, all you who are what? Weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I don't know, you ever feel like you need a little bit of rest? Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional. And let's be honest, sometimes it's spiritual. We need rest. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's what Jesus came in this world to give us. And of course, John three seventeen, 
God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, how do you go about saving this world? Well, we've just celebrated the birth of this innocent child born on a silent, holy night. And we need to remember that he came into this world uh, for a purpose. Now, the purpose was not just to teach, even though he did that. It wasn't just to show us how to live, even though he did that. He came into this world to die for our sins. And more specifically, he came into this world to die for your sins. He came into this world to die for my sins. Now, you stop and ask yourself, what does that really mean? That he died for your sins. Well, stated in the, I, I can't say this any simpler than this. It means through him you can be accepted by God, even though you don't deserve it. I've actually met people who thought they actually deserved to be saved. And the reason they said it was because they're better than most people. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't know who they're comparing themselves to when they say they're better than most. Well, if you're better than most, you're worse than some. And if you're worse at all, you're not being saved because of your goodness. I mean, God accepted you even though you do not deserve it at all. Paul, when he was writing to the Christians at Romans chapter 3, 21 to 22, said, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God, and he tells us how, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And if we even follow Scripture a little bit further, we don't even do that on our own. I mean, Luther said we are really beggars. He said, we're not even smart enough beggars to raise our hand to receive a gift. God literally puts the gift in our hands. And as we think about what Luther said, he said, not by my own reason or strength can I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has called me. The Holy Spirit gathers me. The Holy Spirit enlightens me so that I can finally say, yes, Lord, I receive this. And Paul finishes by saying, And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. See, the message of Christmas is that a personal relationship with God is not just for some elite. It's for everyone who's willing to come to him, and he desires that we all come to him. Some of you may remember a story in the New Testament. It's a parable that Jesus told. Uh, it kind of goes this way. He had prepared a, a huge banquet. You can read this, I think, in Luke 14. Uh, he had a, a huge banquet, and he invited all the best people in town to come to the party. Now, when he, the invitation went out, they all began to respond to the RSVP with excuses. One guy said, I, I, I can't come because I just bought some land. Now, if you, know, if you don't buy land without going to see it first, do you? Is anybody here that dumb? I don't think so. Another guy says, well, I, I bought some cattle. I need to go see whether they'll plow. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to buy any cows that aren't going to give me milk or meat or can't plow. And the last guy, <laughs> I just got married. <laughs> Sorry, I'm busy. But it's a, and on and they kept making these excuses. Now, when the master heard that the, quote, best people didn't want to show up, he told his disciples, or his servants, go out to the streets and the alleys, the bushes, the wayward, and bring in the poor and the lame. Now, first of all, just kind of a sidelight. 
the Old Testament says that when the Messiah would come, what would the Messiah do? The Messiah would heal the, 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 the lame and the blind and the deaf and the dumb. Now, I said, go out and get these people. And later, they came back and said, we gathered everybody we can find. We beat the bushes here. There's still room at the table. And now he says, okay, go out even further into the county. Go to the back rows, the highways, the hedges. And he said, compel them. I mean, literally, drag them in, uh, push them in, beg them in, compel them to come into my house. Why? So that my house might be filled. That's the message of Christmas. That those who never thought they would be good enough to ever be invited to the banquet have been given a seat at the table. See, Christianity is not just for some special group of people, not for some special race of people, not for some special denomination of people. It's for everyone. Now, this is nothing that you, in which you can pat yourself on the back. It's not even something you can brag about, like, I'm saved, sorry about you. As Paul said, where then is boasting? It's excluded. doesn't count. See, many people make the mistake of thinking that a relationship with God will always be beyond their grasp. And I'm here to tell you that God has done all that can be done to put it within your reach. You've heard me tell you many different times about working with the men at Angola Prison in Louisiana. You know, and I can tell you story after story about guys who said the best thing that ever happened to them was being sent to prison where God finally slowed them down and met them face to face and life was changed. They thought that they would never, ever be good enough growing up to be anything, let alone being one of God's children. But they suddenly found out that living a life in the fellowship with God is part of their birthright. It is when God humbled them, brought them to the lowest point in their life, when they suddenly realized that he was there and he was ready to put it right in their hands. See, that's, there's a purpose in all of God's creation. And you and I and everybody in this world fit into that purpose. I don't know if you know exactly what that purpose is. It's really this. It is that all creation should ultimately praise him. Now, God did not create this entire huge universe so that only one tiny little fragment of the world's population would know him. I mean, his intention was that all of creation would know him, that all of creation would then be empowered to join in his praises. Now, you probably wonder, I thought you said you were going to preach on a particular text today. You're going to get to it. Okay, I am right now. Uh, I've saved the text for the end of the message. It's Psalm 148, and it's on the back of your worship folder, correct? No, they didn't put the psalm on the back this week. What do you have, the Old Testament epistle? Okay, but it is, believe me, it is one of the readings for the first Sunday in Christmas. Uh, But I'm going to read it to you anyway. Uh, This is the way it goes, and this is one of these psalms that continues to repeat the theme. And the theme is that everything on heaven and earth should praise the Lord. So if you've got your Bible, Psalm 148. This goes this way. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them that praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that they will never pass away. 
Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He was he has raised up for uh, raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Did you catch that one phrase that was repeated any number of times? Praise the Lord. Now, I was reading this psalm earlier this week, and it really wasn't until uh, Saturday afternoon when I was looking at the sermon I thought I was going to preach. I don't know why I was thinking about this, about praising the Lord. And it also reminded me of how sometimes it even says we should make a joyful noise. And that's why I kind of shifted gears, and that's why karaoke kind of came to mind. But I thought about how God literally created this world like a symphony uh, that comes together in kind of a majestic song of praise. I mean, the heavens and the angels and the mountains and the seas and the snow and the clouds all come together in one magnificent chorus to sing praises to the Lord. And then this psalm calls us, young and old, men, women, children, to join in the song. It's a beautiful thought that all of creation is part of God's gigantic orchestra. Now, I initially, when I changed my mind, thought I'm going to preach on Psalm 140. I know I finished this series some other time. I was going to call this message symphony. Symphony. Because that's the music of God's creation. It's a symphony. And then I thought about the skill level it takes, the skill level necessary to perform a symphony to perfection. And if you've ever played in a symphony, if you've ever sung with a symphony, uh, you know that it's really only for those people who've really mastered their craft. And then I remembered karaoke. Karaoke is not for the elite. The genius of it is that literally everybody can do it and everybody can have fun doing it, whether you've got a good voice or not. And you can have fun. The creators of karaoke, whoever that was, I guess that's a Japanese word, maybe that's the ones who invented it, have made it possible for that anybody with virtually any skill level at all can join in the music, and because they got the music behind you, you can be part of an award-winning performance, even if you're just a beginner, even if you are just what you might call a joyful noisemaker. And see, this is what Jesus has done for you and me. God wants more than anything else for you to have a personal relationship with him. This relationship will never, ever be based on your mastery of the system. It's always based on his grace and mercy. See, at this moment, whether you, you can acknowledge it or not, all of creation is singing praises to God. The heavens, the angels, the highest mountains, the deepest seas, they're all singing praises. And guess what? They're doing it perfectly. You and me, we're not the skilled singers. And maybe we'll never be, short of David. <laughs> but we can always join the karaoke band. We'll always be a part of this mighty chorus that joins in. Now, how do you do it? 
by doing what they do, and by doing what David talks about in this psalm, is just simply praise the Lord. Now, as Christmas season is drawing to a close, and as we begin a new year in a week, I'd encourage you and challenge you to make praise a top priority. I mean, you may feel like you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, but believe me, God will be pleased with whatever efforts you put out. Now, do you want to put this message into practice? Then praise the Lord. I mean, make a point every day to praise the Lord at every opportunity. Praise Him with your words. Praise Him with a song. I mentioned before we had the Meyer Band with us and a lot of the rest of their family this last week. And every morning, little Eileen, the youngest of their ten kids, she'd get up and I could hear her in the bathroom singing. And I tell you, you know, I don't always wake up the jolliest person in the world, but I tell you, I'd sit in my office and I'd just listen to that singing. And I tell you, it just brought a smile to my face. Now, I'm not sure exactly what she was singing, but I just want to, I want to, I want to believe in my heart she was singing her praises to the Lord in the morning. Praise Him with a heart that's turned in His direction. Praise Him with kindness to other people. Now, you may not feel like you're the master of the craft, but you can still perform with the rest of God's creation. You can still praise Him, and your efforts, no matter whether they're joyful noise or not, will still be music to his ears. Have a merry karaoke Christmas.